nearly half of peer group portfolio projects are of the variety that we call keep the lights on or they're about enhancements, right? Only a third are strategic in nature, meaning they're intended to deliver new value creating functionality. For top performers, it's almost the opposite. 48% of their portfolio projects are driving strategic value and only 37% are enhancements and keep the lights on. Welcome to the Hackett Group's Business Acceleration Podcast. Week after week, you'll hear from top experts on how to avoid obstacles, manage detours, and celebrate milestones on the journey to world-class performance. Welcome to our podcast on optimizing project demand management. It's a challenge that technology organization leaders have been wrestling with for years. And I often say I consider it the Achilles heel of the technology function. If you can't handle the demand for services effectively, you put yourself at a disadvantage in your reputation and value as a business partner. Joining me today is our senior research director, Mr. Rick Pastor, who will share some of the new data on this topic and discuss some of the implications with me. Thanks for having me, Chris. You say that people have been wrestling with demand for years. So why are we talking about it right now in particular? One word, acceleration. Digital transformation was already accelerating way before the pandemic even started. But coming out of it, the urgency of of migration to digital operating models has increased dramatically uh, across most industry sectors. That means more project requests for IT. According to our latest data, project volume growth will average 25% over the next two years after having grown an average of just 17% over the past two. That, of course, outpaces resource growth by by a huge margin. Staff was predicted to grow an average of only 2% in 2021, and, and technology's operating budget just half a percent. So really project demands taking off and, and IT is, is not at all scaling with it. Well, with this challenge in mind, in August, as you know, we surveyed corporate technology leaders to get a sense of the challenges and best practices for improving project demand management in the face of this acceleration. Now, uh, the definitions we used in our performance study are important, so I'll repeat them here so we're all on the same page. By technology project demand, we mean requests from stakeholders that would typically be subject to vetting, proof of concept, or other upfront governance. And if approved, are resourced and included in the technology organization's project portfolio. And what we mean by a portfolio project is one that has objectives, deliverables, resources committed, estimates of hours, budget, and so on. That's not to be confused with programs, which are usually made up of multiple projects. And when we say that a project request is accepted into the IT portfolio, it doesn't mean that IT judged the project worthy or not, but IT probably helped validate it and then prioritizes it for the pipeline based on a variety of factors. Or, you know, it might be that they say, we can't get to this for another six months. That's what we mean by accepted or not accepted. Also in this study, Chris, we identified a certain number of respondents as top performers. Actually, it was about 25% of total respondents. Who reported the best project success? So we separated these folks out from the other 75% 
to see what they did differently, if anything. So what was the, the takeaway, Rick, from the demand side besides knowing that this growth is, is accelerating? Right. The, the big takeaway is the companies that are really managing their demand well actually work on fewer projects. It's nearly exactly half the volume of projects in the top performers' portfolios compared to the peer group or that other 75% that I mentioned. Uh, and that's normalized based on the number of end users being supported. So these top performers who are working on about half the number of projects at any given time, they far exceed their peers in project delivery KPIs. So key performance indicators like, for example, 83% of their projects are said to achieve their anticipated value versus just 47% of peer group projects. That's less than half achieving their anticipated value. The top performers also do better in on-time and on-budget project delivery, which is not as important, but it's another barometer. Having said that, this isn't just a case of less is more in terms of performance. The types of projects that get accepted into top performers' portfolios are materially different, we found. Nearly half of peer group portfolio projects are of the variety that we call keep the lights on or they're about enhancements, right? Only a third are strategic in nature, meaning they're intended to deliver new value-creating functionality. For top performers, it's almost the opposite. 48% of their portfolio projects are driving strategic value, and only 37% are enhancements and keep the lights on. So that means... Effective. That's a big difference. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. Like I said, it's almost swapping. So it seems to mean that to me that effective demand management correlates with a higher value, higher impact portfolio. One more thing. It's also important to understand something really significant about these numbers and these outcomes that we're seeing. Top performers are not just saying no to more projects. In fact, both peers and top performers are accepting about the same number of project requests into their portfolios. Roughly 64% of the total requests get slotted in and scheduled. Now, if you remember, Chris, we did a, a similar demand management poll in 2018. And in that poll, we found that top performers were accepting something like 40% fewer projects into their pipeline than peers. But now, three years later, there's parity in the acceptance rates. And top performers are still working on fewer projects per end user. Their projects are more strategic and they succeed at higher rates. So what can we, what kind of inferences can we draw from, from these findings? Uh, project requests at, at top performing companies are a higher grade to begin with. They are more strategic. They're more realistic in their value targets. They are better scoped for successful delivery. So out of that, that roughly 64% of requests being accepted into their respective pipelines, the top performer pipeline projects are more strategic to begin with, or they are co-developed by IT and the business stakeholders in such a way that they, they yield more strategic outcomes. But it's not, it's not luck of the draw, Rick. Top performers do a better job assessing, scoping, and, and planning the projects that are submitted to them. And in collaboration with the project's business owner or the business partner, they're creating the business cases. They are, they are using proofs of concept to validate these business cases before they grow them at scale. And, and, and overall, they are, they're just more sound. 
So what we're kind of concluding that, that since 2018, technology organizations have gotten better at demand management. Um, that is their, <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. That is they're, they're able to validate and accept more kind of high value project requests and, and see through them to, to more successful outcomes more often. Peers are, are as, as we've noted, uh, keeping pace in terms of acceptance of the number of projects, but the projects they're working on are lower quality in, in terms of from the start, from conception, from the vetting process, uh, all the way th- through that delivery phase. And, and, and I think that's in part because there are more sophisticated stakeholders, higher expectations, the technologies are more mature, we, we have better skill sets to manage these technologies. But certainly, and to a, a large extent, I, I think it's because of superior demand management. I can understand that. So we we're accepting about the same number of projects per end user, but I mean same number of requests. But we don't know exactly how many requests are happening. I imagine the peer groups getting more requests because they're not as as finely disciplined in the, in their vetting. So they're accepting sixty four percent of a bunch more requests, and they're not higher quality, as you said, and that that's why they end up kind of falling short on on value for more than half of them. Well, yeah, and they have, as you stated at the beginning, 2x the number of of projects in the pipeline, right? Yeah. So So they're spread more thin. They're not going to have 2x the number of resources, obviously. (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, let's take a closer look at the biggest factor on the demand side of demand management. That's project vetting. Okay. So as you were saying, it looks to us like top performers are doing something differently. So we looked into it and, you know, we can presume that top performer companies have higher hurdle rates for acceptance of uh, project requests just because they are accepting fewer into the pipeline or they have smaller pipelines for these projects. But the biggest difference I think that I saw in the data is the, the degree to which they apply project vetting. Top performers are way more consistent in their vetting. So 94% of top performers in this poll apply the same standard vetting process to every project request compared to 63% of of the peer group. So that's a pretty big difference, like a third, I think. The top performers don't suffer shortcuts or allow backdoor projects into their portfolios, which are are not well vetted. So that is certainly going to keep the standards high and encourage more thorough and accurate business cases. Top performers do have fast-track governance when, when needed, but they use it far less than their peers, so they have less opportunity for, for abuse <laughs> of the standard process. I think that that, that, that fast-track piece, I mean, when we think about regulatory or compliance issues, right, th- those are the things that go outside that normal, that normal governance process because they, they have to be done, right? So if it's not something compliance, risk, governance-associated, then otherwise, as you said, 94% of, of all projects are going through that same, that same process. So. This is also reflected in our benchmark study where we compare peers to digital world-class technology organizations. The digital world-class are 37% more likely to have a single centralized demand management process. And that means they, they don't have a lot of backdoors or other ways into the portfolio that can clutter it up with lower value projects or ones least, less likely to succeed. Another major difference is the conducting of proofs of concept. 76% of top performers say they conduct POCs for projects versus just 25% of the peers. 
this obviously weeds out a lot of the speculative types of things and, and, and makes the benefits cases have to be more bullet hardened. These are approaches we recommend for clients, and we're seeing them working successfully in organizations that are challenged with too many requests for the IT resources to meet. Digital world class or, or leading organizations, they, they don't have more net resources typically. What we've seen in our own benchmarking studies is, is that they do allocate their finite resources more successfully. When we break down the roles that technology organizations are allocating their FTEs to, we see that world-class technology organizations have 41% of their FTEs in planning and development type of positions. And, and that's compared to the typical IT org, which is about 34%. So 41% versus 34. So nearly two out of three peer FTEs then are, are serving in operational and administrative roles. And, and a lot of that, again, is, is kind of in that, that keep the lights on area, Rick, that, that you mentioned earlier. Top performers, they have more hands to drive the project pipeline. They have that ability because they have a, a higher level of automation to their core kind of operational processes that, that keep the lights on stuff. And that's through self-service enablement or smart automation or end-to-end -end electronic enablement. And, and as we think about that whole kind of ecosystem, and, and we've seen some really neat examples recently, uh, kind of the hyper automation ecosystem, if you will. We also see the top performers use rapid application development and iterative or continuous releases to a greater extent than their peers do. And when it comes to striking that balance between strategic versus addressing the backlog type of stuff, we, we had a client recently share with us that they only focus their own resources on strategic project work, the, the stuff that has large impactful gains for the organization. Most of the day-to-day -day service requests, any technical debt they have in their backlog, all of that is addressed by their managed service provider. So a, a pretty cool model that they can focus on the strategic versus the backlog. Not everybody can do that. I, I get that. You can't just flip a switch and deploy that method, but but it is something to consider and it has proven proven to be a good method for that, that particular organization. So they have effectively two pipelines and two sets of resources and they can manage the prioritization a lot easier that way, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So we've talked about resources, but I want to get back to vetting for a second. Obviously, technology folks don't make all the decisions about which projects clear the hurdle bar or even which ones get the highest priority. They have a say, of course, in scheduling, but what trends are we seeing in who manages the acceptance and prioritization of projects. So we looked at that in the study again. Increasingly, we found the green or red lights are coming from a demand oversight board made up of strategic leaders from the various stakeholder groups, including technology, of course. So this demand oversight board, it's not the number one approach to decision-making, but it's the one that, that survey respondents say is going to grow the most and become for many of them, the primary role in demand management over the coming years. They also say at the same time, we'll see the CIO having less of a primary role in this or the siloed business unit head also, their, their influence over this will, will decrease. We know that technology steering committees in the old days got a bad rap. Uh, nobody wanted to be on them and they didn't accomplish much. But this is a different animal. And, and why is it a good thing that it's probably going to be on the rise in terms of its influence? First of all, it, it is a good thing, Rick. In, in fact, in the poll, it was the number two most effective approach to demand management 
after the, the higher hurdle rates and the better business cases, the, the vetting that we talked about. It means there's going to be less unilateralism in, in accepting and, and prioritizing the projects. We've seen that clients who have adopted this approach, they tell us that it, it works better when there are competing needs in finite capacity, right? The, the board can then see the need to make judgment calls and, and trade-offs more clearly and can make those decisions as a team, which, which is more palatable uh, because inevitably there's going to be some winners and losers in that decision-making process, but they've all been involved, right? They've all put the, put the weights on the scales to see what shakes out. We also see these clients that have you know, board oversight groups working within a multi-year pipeline window rather than just the, the customary 12-month cycle. This, this relieves the pressure of having to get everything crammed into a single-year time frame, and, and generally it provides more flexibility. And we're finding that these boards also meet more frequently than just that annual planning cycle. Uh, some, in fact, are meeting up to a, a quarterly basis to, to review the status of, of the, the current projects in flight and what's coming down the pipe. Oh, if that works well, I think that's what CIOs have been asking for for a long time. They want the the people with the skin in the game to make the trade-offs and, and to walk away with some level of satisfaction that they've done the right thing for the enterprise. So this would also, like you said, if they're meeting quarterly, it will help keep projects on track and expose those that are that are going astray sooner, let's say. And that could, of course, then lead to new priorities. As a matter of fact, I, I forgot to mentioned this when we were discussing it, but the number two most severe hurdle to effective demand management was priority shifts. Can you can you speak to that? They're going to throw a monkey wrench into that carefully planned pipeline, right? Especially if we're thinking about an annual kind of pipeline. So the, the cross-enterprise review board can help address those priority shifts almost in real time. And, and they can make those those frankly, tough decisions on, on what's going to have to change, right, in the pipeline prioritization and how our limited and, and precious resources will, will be shifted and, and then spent, right? So that's a promising phenomenon, I guess, that's going to help to improve demand management even more than it probably has since we did that 2018 study. Well, yeah, and, and I think we have to acknowledge progress is being made. Business cases are better. We have the ability to get the high value work done and raise the value proposition of technology in the eyes of the business. That's always been the top goal for as long as demand management has been a challenge, right? So I I don't think we should go around moping that resources are not keeping up with demand. We should welcome this demand and say, yes, you know, technology is pivotal. We've got to get these things done and we've got to get them done faster. But there's ways to do that, right? There's ways to do that without just throwing money at it. And everyone needs to lend a hand to that. You can't just dump it on on one individual to say yes or no, like it might have been done years ago. So this is great news. Yeah, it, it is good news. And, and I would I would hope that the top performers would, would see their processes as more than just satisfactory. But, but yeah, I, I concur. I mean, there, there are systematic ways to manage demand that drive better business outcomes and in turn... Uh, have happier business partners, which continues to elevate and escalate technology's overall business value, right, for the organization. The demand is always going to outweigh the supply. Uh, That's been the story forever, really. I just hope that that those that are listening, they want to ratchet up their demand management discipline and approaches. They'll take some of these concepts to, to heart 
perhaps they'll reach out to us for some counseling. And next time we run that, that poll, maybe then they'll be one of those top performers. So that would be great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Rick, thank you for joining today. Interesting topic. I, I think it's on the radar of, of technology leaders everywhere. I think even the top performers say there's still room for improvement. So appreciate the insights from the study and uh, appreciate your commentary. Sure. Glad to be here. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening. You can find the audio, helpful resources, and a transcript of each episode at podcast.thehackagroup.com. If you liked this episode, please share it. You can also subscribe at Apple Podcasts or your favorite listening app so you never miss an episode. We'd welcome your feedback by tapping the rating on this or any episode, or send us an email at podcast at thehackagroup.com. The Hackett Group is a global leader in defining and enabling world-class performance. Learn how we can assist with your improvement journey at www.thehackagroup.com.